to BaseballDesk.com, the business of baseball simplified and your source for all things professional baseball and not just surviving it, but succeeding in the professional sports industry. I'm your host, Alex Einhorn. Let's get to it. Somebody give me one more because I just ran out. I don't go to the clubs and I don't stand out. All right, everyone. Hello, and welcome to Baseball Desk, episode number six. Your host today, Alex, alongside my co-host Doug. What's going on, Doug? Oh, hey, Alex. Hey, going? it's Good going. It's going well. It's going well. Good. We um, got uh, we got some good stuff on the show today. We got a great we got a great guest who it's hilarious. He's going to be hilarious. I just know he's going to be hilarious. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, top of the first, what do you got? Top of the first, Alex. You know something that um, is trending in the baseball right now. We got to talk about it a little bit. Is <clears throat> It's a combination of a lot of things, but let's just throw it out there. MLB attendance is dropping uh, rapidly, at least the start of the 2018 season. Sure. Is off to a rough start compared to even just last year's 2017 season. Um, for example, the Baltimore Orioles had an attended game last week, announced attendance of 7,915. It hurts my heart. It, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's upsetting. That's, yeah. that's a major league team. And, you know, people are saying it's the cold weather. Um, people are saying it's a combination of a lot of things. Sure. Um, but it's kind of shocking to see. Like, I used to think <clears throat> there's no way. I, I mean, and I, don't, and I had no reason of knowing this. I used to think there's no way that these teams aren't getting at least 20,000 people in. Right. Yeah. Even, even, these, even these areas where, you know, you're... Tampa Bay Rays or the Oakland A's and you're not a good team you're not in a good market but you're still a major league franchise there's still playing, stars playing, on playing major team, league yeah. other major league teams <clears throat> but to hear a game at 7,000 people it's kind of scary it's not cool no and, and, I'll, and I'll elaborate some more I'll give you an example another one um, I saw online a couple days ago there was a night a Friday night where Miami, the Marlins, their double-A affiliate outdrew them by, like, 600 people. <laughs> they had, like, 9,600, and the Marlins had, like, 9,100 9, or something. Yeah, I mean, the Marlins And that's are... just sad, though. Yeah. And it sad. it's sad, and it hurts my heart, like I said, because... And if I get fired up during this, just calm me down, because okay. I might... I grew up as a baseball purist, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know? Like goosebumps during batting practice, the whole the whole thing. And I still do. I still sure. I still love that stuff. But over the years, you know, um, starting my career, not just, you know, going to games on the weekends at Camden Yards or Citizens Bank, um, I started my career in sports and I started to realize, like, baseball is the greatest sport. I always knew it was, to me anyway, right? Right. Uh, But at a certain point, you know, and it's getting worse and worse as the years go, there has to be more to baseball. And I think... The game itself, as much as I love the game, it's the greatest game on the planet. Right. The game itself needs a lot of work. And I think especially, especially at the big league level. And I love the game. But look at Little League numbers. You want to talk about attendance? Scale that all the way down, right? Right. Look at Little League numbers. Like, I was a baseball purist when I was five, right? (laughs) I was. That doesn't exist anymore. No. Right? It's rare. And it's a combination of some other sports, whether it be football, basketball, dare I say, lacrosse. Yeah. With kids playing lacrosse instead because it's it's a contact sport. It might be a little more flashy. But going back to, you know, us working in the industry at the minor league level, 
we're doing everything right at the minor league level. Yeah. Right. When's the last time you went to a major league baseball game and there was four t-shirt tosses in the same game? Right. Right. Or, or things like that. So to that point, Alex, do you think that minor league baseball, that major league baseball should learn from minor league baseball? Yeah. Do you think that that's, even as part of the recipe? I mean, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's a combination of having likable star players and having yeah, a face sure. of the MLB. And I think <clears throat> okay. they're getting there. You know, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, there's some guys yep. that are recognizable. Um, maybe not as much as the superstars in the NFL or in the NBA. NBA yeah. Um, especially, it's it's kind of easier to follow players like that and aspire to be players like that. But I think it's a combination of having a couple faces of, of the franchise and a couple faces of your league. But I think it is also a combination of is it wrong for Major League Baseball to say, hey, we need to start appealing to people who maybe don't like baseball. No, I don't think it's wrong. I think it's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and here's where I stand on that. I love superstars, right? They're fun when you're playing video games to be Bryce Harper. Right. But is, is it almost a double-edged sword? Because MLB is spending maybe too much of their time promoting these superstars. Something the MLB does not do that minor league baseball does very well is it caters to the fans, mm-hmm. right? You go to a minor league baseball game, you go to a team who does things right, and it should feel, it should feel like Disney World. Right. You walk through the gates, and from that moment forward, it's about you. Yeah. Right? Someone's smiling, they rip your ticket, they take you to your seat, you grab a dollar dog and a three dollar Bud Light on the way. Yep. Right? And you sit in the stands and you're in the stands for ten minutes, right? <clears throat> and then there's a hip hop dancer on the dugout. Right, and then in the fourth inning, your daughter or your girlfriend or your wife or your husband, whoever you're at the game with, they get pied in the face by the on-field host. Right, and then there's a there's a school marching band on the field, and then as you're leaving the game, you get a uh, coupon for a free cheeseburger. Right, yep. these are all things that minor league teams do that cater to one demographic, and that's the fans in the building. When's the last time you went to a major league baseball game and you felt like it was about you and not the players? And I'm not bashing the players. No. Right? Because they're they're who you're going to see in theory. But at the end of the day, it's all about the fans. It That's the only thing it's about. Because these major league teams have – I told you I was going to get fired up. These major league teams, <laughs> they got big money coming through. They have to have big money. They won't be able to pay these guys big money. They got sponsorships. The guys have endorsement deals. But at the end of the day, if you chop that all down – you know, their million, two million, three million, five million, ten million dollar uh, stadium signage isn't worth a thing if no one's in the ballpark looking at it, Correct. right? So everything that is high dollar or whatever the TV rights, the, the naming rights for the stadium, all that stuff is nothing without fans walking into the gates and watching the game. Absolutely. And I don't think Major League Baseball caters to the fans enough. They can. To answer your question, yes, they they. Not only can they learn from minor league baseball, but they should. And they should be learning from the NBA. Because I go to NBA games all the time, and you walk in there, and it's a laser light show every single night. If you can take the game away and there's still some sort of entertainment, not that you ever would, but ask yourself that, you're doing a good job. You go to a major league baseball game, the players leave the field, guess what? You're sitting in an empty stadium. Right. Right? No, you're you're right, Alex. I think it's, I think it's a great point, and not to not to belabor the point. I'm mad now. I know you are. I know you are. But you're right. I mean, I think baseball is kind of seen as it's too old school. It hasn't been willing to adapt. Right. And sports like the NFL and the NBA, and soccer and lacrosse and hockey, they've been willing to adapt a little bit quicker than baseball, yeah. at least at the highest professional For sure. level. And I, I think that speaks to that point really well. 
I think baseball's trying. I think baseball has realized maybe it's a little behind the curve as far as the fan experience and the fan sure. entertainment portion. And they're getting there. I mean, even last year, just for a quick example, the Atlanta Braves brought out the freeze. Yeah, and that was that's probably, true. That that's was probably good... the most <clears throat> talked about thing in Major League Baseball outside of the players. Yeah, if you, ha- if you haven't uh, seen the freeze, we'll post a link on the on the site. Check it out. Outside of Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, Manny Machado, the biggest talked about promotion in sports last year, professional sports, was the freeze. Yeah. And so, so baseball's trying. I think so, 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 yeah. Put a positive spin on it at the end of the day. Sure. Baseball's trying, and I think baseball can learn a lot from minor league baseball. Major league can, can learn a lot from minor leagues because the freeze is totally a minor league baseball thing. Thing, yeah. It's totally a minor league baseball thing. I'm with you. And and the major leagues, I think they're catching on to that a little bit more. Right. Slowly but surely, they're making that transition. So, hey, maybe we can teach the major leaguers a little thing or two about Maybe, maybe we can. And uh, rolling right along from the top of the first, our guest today is going to be Joey Zanaboni. And now, Doug, this dude's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, we, we found him on LinkedIn. So for those of you who don't know who he is, you will now. Uh, Joey is the broadcaster and media relations at the Texas Air Hogs in the American Association and also the University of West Florida. He's a play-by-play broadcaster, and he's our second play-by-play guy in a row, Doug. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. I think we never really thought we would – interact with a guy no. who's a play-by-play broadcast yeah, no, two. <laughs> two weeks in a row but if you've heard this guy and if you haven't you need to you need to <laughs> i'm laughing because he's so funny and i listen to his clips on linkedin all day so basically he's a radio broadcaster play-by-play and there's no other way to put this he just does things differently yeah he's completely off the cuff his <laughs> I, I think i've never heard i've never heard someone in in baseball in sports <clears throat> In this capacity, ever use the types of phrases? Yeah. Off the wall, creative. Pop culture references. That's the thing. He ties everything in to making baseball and the product on the field and the entertainment value fun. He's making baseball great again, right? He he really is. It is. It is good stuff. Yeah. So we listened to a few of his his clips, and before we get him on the show here on the phone, we're gonna play some clips. So. Doug, you want to? Should we play your favorite one first? Yeah, you have to. So here's Doug's favorite clip from Joey Zanaboni. Mannix coming in hotter than a fever-ravaged armadillo nesting in a Maytag dryer. And that's just good stuff. Like that's hilarious. I don't think I ever in my life would have thought about an armadillo <laughs> popping out of the medicine cabinet. Yeah, and we'll ask him how he comes up with this stuff and all that. So I want to play my favorite one before you bring him on the show. So take take a listen to this one, this call. And looking for a fourth strikeout. Got it. Breaking ball. He'd seen it before, but it still surprised him like a good rerun of the Mori Pongich show. And it's just good. Like, yeah. it's good stuff. And it's not. it doesn't overcomplicate things. No. And you still know what's going on in the game. That's the thing. Because first and foremost, like I'm sure he'll tell us on the show when we get him on the on the line, he still has to do his job, right? Right. Right. It's it's not it's not distracting <clears throat> enough to the point where it takes away from what's actually happening on the field. It just kind of enhances it in a way you've never heard. Before. <laughs> right. For sure. I mean, they, we play a lot of games, so yeah. whatever you got to do to keep it fresh. So that's going to be Joey Zanaboni. We're going to get him on the line in just a second. Hey, Joey. How are you guys doing today? We are surviving. We uh, we're getting ready for opening day, so things are a little crazy here. What's uh, what's going on with you, man? 
Uh, you know, I'm down here in the uh, the difficult 70 degree climate of uh, Pensacola, Florida, making yeah. the best of this, making the best of this extreme uh, extreme tundra out here. Yeah, a little bit on the cool after down here. So, Joey, hey, we just wanted to kind of get a little bit um, hear a little bit from you about your story specifically. If you just wanted to talk to our listeners a little bit about how you got into baseball and kind of where you have taken this journey up to this point. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's been a it's been a heck of a journey. I I graduated college in thirteen, so five years or so ago, and uh, wasn't one hundred percent sure really what I was going to get into. Uh, knew it was going to be some in, in entertainment and performing, and that was really just my my passion is my passion. And uh, yeah, I've done some stand up comedy, did some improv comedy. Uh, had a chance about a year after I graduated college to uh, call. A season for a summer wood bat team. So I had done some announcing, nothing that was, uh, you know, a crazy lot of experience, but I worked at a couple of radio stations and, uh, you know, would call some games for fun here and there. And I had a chance to go out to this uh, wood bat league and, uh, yeah, just had a blast. It was in Kansas. There's a team called the Derby Twins. We had a great, uh, great season. And kind of from there, I've just been, you know, doing, uh, doing independent baseball in the summers and then, doing college baseball in the winters uh, or the college sports, I guess, in the winters, college baseball in the spring. Um, so I was down at Oklahoma Community College, which is uh, a junior college in northern Mississippi for the last few years, and then ended up here at University of West Florida and worked for a couple of uh, minor league baseball teams, uh, I guess, kind of through the years in the summers, and uh, uh, been with the Texas Air Hearts for a couple of years, and going into my third year with them. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's good. I, I think I've kind of gotten more, um, of, uh, you know, I've got kind of a unique style, I guess you'd say a little bit of an original style and, uh, you know, just trying to develop it, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely. And that, that brings us right to, uh, the next thing we want to talk about with you. We talked about this earlier in the show, cause you're actually the second, uh, play-by-play broadcaster we've had in the show two episodes in a row. Um, but we wanted to get you on, uh, on the show pretty badly because, you know, we stumbled upon your LinkedIn profile and, and some of the, the videos you're sharing of you calling games and you're, like you said, your very interesting comedic-like style is what really stood out to us. I mean, we, we sit in the office and watch your videos and we just die laughing. So um, I want, we're curious as to when you kind of started implementing those, I guess, one-liners, those jokes into uh, sports broadcasting and then rolling from that, you know, why did you start doing that as well? Yeah, I, it's kind of hard to say when I started doing it, I guess. I think I think the biggest thing was uh, working for some, I mean, some teams just a couple of years ago, like when I was really first kind of starting to do it full-time and like... Sure. I don't know, occasionally like a fan or maybe one of the parents or one of the guys would come up to me on the team and they would say something like, oh, you know, it was really funny when you said this or whatever. And I would just kind of, I, I would kind of forget that I had even said it. You know, you're just kind of in the moment yeah. doing it. And I think that when I first started out, I was really just trying to do like the the kind of technical stuff that you have to learn how to do. And I was really just working on the fundamentals and, and still I am because I still feel like I'm just kind of starting out in my career. But um, I just kind of noticed that, you know, people, I don't know, I guess on social media and just listening to the broadcasts, they would respond to the, the funny stuff kind of more than just the, you know, the good call of the, of the, 
you know, ground out to third or whatever. I mean, it's still a good call, but sure. um, people just want to go online. I mean, just want to laugh and, and feel kind of good about it. So I started to kind of, kind of just cut the things that I wanted that I kind of thought were funny um, that I was just saying accidentally. And then that kind of started to become a little bit more of, um, you know, how can I be a little more creative in terms of saying um, certain things? I mean, like I, you know, you do 40 games uh, at a college level, you do 30 games, then you do 100 games in in the independent um, team in the summer. You you see the same things over and over. You see a ball in the dirt every single, you know, inning. You see, um, you know, probably see one double play a game. And so, uh, being an English major in college, you know, I think that was what a lot of my kind of background was. It was just a lot of um, learning to use language creatively and avoid cliches and stuff like that. So I really started to apply myself to just seeing not necessarily how can I make this funny, but how can I say this in a unique way. Um, and, and from there, I think it just became funny. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know. It's just something I kind of, I kind of do. I've been, you know, my whole life I've been told you got to take things more seriously and stuff like that. So I've always been kind of a jokester, right. um, and and I just, I don't know. Eventually, that just kind of started spilling over, I guess, into the broadcast. Now, Joey, so you said you're kind of a jokester, and you know, you said you've taken some some feedback from social media or parents or, or other players, but. You know where does where do your does your process start when you're when you're coming up with some of these um, one-liners? Does it come? Is it naturally? Does it just come off the cuff? Do you practice? Do you do some research? Kind of where do you start when when you when you come up with these creative phrases? Well, I think it all goes back to you know obviously you have to be prepared for the for the broadcast. You have to be able to uh, uh, you know have your notes, have your research, and, and be prepared to do a good. Uh, broadcast, you know the the one liners and stuff that I put online, uh, you know they're my most shared stuff, but it's still only about one percent, I guess, of, of you know the actual games that you call. Sure. Obviously, making sure you have all those bases covered, uh, but in terms of writing the lines and stuff, yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a mix. Some of it is off the cuff, and some of it is is. I guess I would say semi off the cuff where I'll see something and then I'll start thinking about that situation and I'll try to uh, maybe come up with a line, but I want to, I want to wait an inning until I see that play happen again where I use it. And then some of it is stuff that, yeah, I I do write it down. You know, there's sometimes I'll be sitting there and, you know, doing something and a line will come to me or something. I'll jot it down. I'll take it in there with me. But I think when you do that, uh, you know, the challenge is really you you don't want to blow it in the wrong place. You know, you don't want to yeah. – if it's a really great line, you don't want to – you know, you don't want to shoot your shot too early. So, you know, there's a little bit of a challenge and kind of a, a way that I'm trying to learn with that. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know where some of it comes from, to be 100% honest with you. I think I, think I kind of look at it, you know, in my own – I don't know, something will happen in my own life and somehow I'll kind of contort it to, to a line. I think my one of my favorite lines that I've, I've done, and I, I think I shared it on on social media a couple of weeks ago, was uh, one of our pitchers hit the outside corner and I said, uh, Maddox just shaved the outside corner like a test mannequin at a barber college. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I think it was from I had just gotten a haircut. I had just been over at Fantastic Sam's as I do my drop in here for Fantastic Sam's. Uh, you know, I, I had just gotten a haircut, and so I think I was just kind of, you know, something about that. I kind of was just it was in the back of my mind, kind of rattling around. And so, you know, I don't know. I don't know where a lot of them come from, but you know, I just I just try to try to make sure I'm open to them when they do come. Sure. So Joey, I know um, you've uh, you've alluded to a lot of the the phrases that you said and and the things that you've done that are kind of unique and, <laughs> and really especially with a with a background and kind of improv and, and entertaining and an English major. So you're kind of you're different than pretty much any probably any other broadcaster <laughs> that's that's in the game right now. So what advice would you give to someone who's maybe interested in going down this career path and and enjoying a career in broadcasting? Well, I think I think the biggest thing is just be yourself and just do what do what you think is is uh, going to entertain the fans and will entertain the fans. I think you know it's tough for me to give advice because, like I said, I've only been at it for you know four years or so. Sure. I, I'm I'm still learning and I'm still you know trying to get uh, what I do to be the best that it can be. But I think one of the biggest things that I see people kind of falling into and, and God knows I've fallen into this trap as well. It's just, I think you, I think people broadcast for other broadcasters. They announce for other announcers. And I think the, the, goal and the aim really has to be to do something entertaining for the listeners and for sure. the fans who are listening to the game. And, um, Approach it with uh, a lot of levity and approach it with a lot of good humor, not only the the broadcast side, but also the business side. Um, but also be prepared to be very serious. I mean, I'll tell you a story here that that really was one of the defining moments for me and was really something that kind of cemented, like, hey, this is what I want to do with my life, was the, the first game I was with the Air Hogs, um, 2016, May 2016, we were having a preseason game against the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks, and, you know, it was a couple of days before the season officially started, and I remember talking to our manager before the game, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw uh, five pitchers or so, one or two innings, and just get everybody a little work, don't want anybody to, you know, burn out before the start of the season, and he started this kid uh, named Derek Callahan, who was from Gonzaga, and he pitched for the Yankees organization for a couple of years, and it was his first year in independent baseball. And he was from uh, the Seattle area. And before we started the game, I had seen that uh, uh, someone named P. Callahan was listening. Um, you could make like a username with our 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 app that we broadcast through, and I could see that they were listening and. Anyway, he's got two outs in the second inning, and he throws a fastball on this kid, hammers back up the middle, I mean, like a laser shot. It hits him right above the eye, and he goes down on the turf, and, I mean, he is, like, lifeless still. There's, like, five people rush out of the dugout to, you know, everybody in the whole place just goes silent. They're trying to help him on the field. And, you know, the gravity of the situation really – really hit me because up in the up in the the box, you know, I really I I didn't know. You know, I didn't know if this might be uh, either an incredibly serious injury or it might even be a life threatening thing. Um and it just was it just crossed my mind that wow, you know, 
2,000 miles away, there's a family listening to this, and this is their their son, and this is their brother, this is their cousin. Um, and there was no video. The other team right. wasn't doing a podcast, and there was no there was no video. It's just my voice. And I barely knew the roster. You know, I, I barely knew. I looked up their baseball reference pages. And stuff. I didn't really know them. Um, obviously, it was just the, the first preseason game. But, you know, I just did what I always do. What I always try to do is you say what you see without speculating, without trying to make a situation more grandiose than it is or, or you know, anything like that. Just, you know, try to give the facts. And that was kind of a moment where I just realized, like, wow, this is such an important job that I have or had in those two minutes. And anyway, he was able to get up and walk off the field under his own power. And he returned to the team in late July. It was a great story. Uh, wow. We were like, we were five miles from the tent, right? You know, by that point, we were way out of the playoff picture. He still, he underwent multiple surgeries, rehab, came back, and he was going on the bus, going on the bus to Joplin, Missouri, to play the uh, Joplin Blasters, uh, which it was their last year in the American Association. And he uh, he said to me on the bus, you know, that night that I got hit, you know, my mom really appreciated the announcement. And, man, he came out and put down 10 in a row in long relief. And I cried, man. I mean, I cried after that game where he got yeah. hit. Then uh, I cried again that night. Uh, that he came back. And that was that was something that was really uh, kind of a life-changing thing, definitely kind of a career-changing um, thing as well for me. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we can all agree that, you know, there's a lot of different emotions that come along with working in this industry, whether it's, you know, you broadcasting and, and being with the team and or, or some of the stuff we do where we're running around with the fans. And I think that's one of the great things about our industry that, that we work in in sports in general is that you, you get that whole roller coaster of emotions. It is not your nine to five, stare at your computer for eight hours and leave for the day. So that's one of the reasons that we love working in this industry, even though sometimes it's tough um, and sometimes you do get some uh, um, some relief in that, whether it's humor or a good story. But uh, no, that's a that's a great story. So we, we appreciate you sharing that with us. It gives us a little bit more uh, background on, on your story and kind of, you know, some of the moments that have helped you grow along the way. Um, so our final segment of the day, um, like we do on every podcast, is uh, the numbers game. Uh, we give the guest, uh, for our listeners who don't know, um, we give the guest a question where the answer is always a number. Uh, me and Doug guess, see who can get closer to what the actual uh, answer is. And then we always ask a hot dog related question at the end because um, it's, a, it's a baseball food. So question number one, Joey, and if you don't have an exact answer, just give us an estimate so that one of us can win and get some bragging rights over the other. Um, the longest game you have ever broadcasted. And for this one, I didn't do innings because we did that last week. I did time. Um, so before Joey answers, Doug, what do you what do you want to go with here? Um, well, I'm going to say he's definitely done some college games, which, sure. speaking from experience, <laughs> if you're on the wrong side of one of those games, or the right side, either way, those games can last pretty long. So uh, I'm going to say, maybe not even necessarily college, but I'll just say about, I'll say four hours and 42 minutes. 440, that's a long game. Yeah. Uh, maybe a rain delay. 440. I'll... I'll uh, I guess I'll just undercut you and say four hours even. 
So uh, let's find out. Well, I got I got to break both your hearts, man. I mean, I think the longest one I ever did was about three weeks. Uh, <laughs> I was first starting out at uh, the Jayhawk League in Kansas. We had a game. You know how it is in Kansas. Storms can roll in there, and they are strong as heck. And uh, we had a game. We were down by a run uh, in the ninth, and it started to rain. And the umpires looked like they wanted to call a game. And they kind of talked them into keeping it going. And uh, <laughs> we were down to our last strike. It was no two pitch with two outs. And our one of the one of the guys who ran the team like sprinted down. He used to sit next to me during the game. He sprinted down out of the press box, which was only uh, two floors. <laughs> Ran to the field and was like waving his arms and was said, hold on, hold on. You know, we got to call this game. They actually <laughs> stopped the game right then. And we were playing the Hayes Larks, uh, which was, uh, that was kind of cool for me because that was the summer team that uh, Albert Pools played for. Oh, wow. Uh, and, uh, it was a guy named Frank Leo as their manager. He was not happy about them <laughs> with two outs, but they we picked it up. We went to Hayes. Um, I think it was three weeks later. I'm guessing, <laughs> but we went there and they had us play. We replayed the whole half inning, and they started it back from a half inning. Oh wow! Uh, but we ended up going down one, two, three. We didn't get anything. We did get any hits, anything like that. And uh, so we, we ended up losing that game, which was kind of crucial for us because we were battling with Hayes for one of the top four spots in the league. And then, you know, one of the, the, the four spots would end up going to the National Baseball Congress World Series, which was just down the road Wichita. And, uh, yeah, so that was probably the longest one uh, I think I could have done. Three weeks. Wow. Okay. So I'm not going to give either of us the win, right? All Are right, you fine right, with fine. that? Yeah, yeah, All right. We can tie. <laughs> Next one is, and we haven't asked this one to anyone yet, which we kind of we should have. This is a big uh, most rainouts in a season. Me and Doug have, I want to say, like a decent amount of experience in this. So what do you think, Doug? Um, yeah, I'm going to go with seven. That's, that's a lot. That's the number that's yeah. in my head. Um, that's a tough one. I mean, here in Lancaster. We get a decent amount of rain, and not, nothing crazy, but, you know, we've rained out, I think, in my six years, I think the most we ever got was, like, five, but last year, just down the road, really, in Wilmington, Delaware, not too far, we have friends that, friends that work there, and they rained out, like, 11 times last year, wow. and unfortunately for them, it was, like, all Saturdays, they pretty much lost every Saturday game, <laughs> but, uh, so what'd you say, Doug? I said seven. You said seven. I'll say, I'll say eight. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We have a turf field at Earhart Stadium, so we don't really yeah, deal uh, with rainouts. But, uh, I mean, I'll tell you that uh, I've been broadcasting four years, and I've done college summer and spring college and pro in the in the summer. And there's been a few seasons where I wish we had more rainouts, you know. Right, yeah. Uh, but, uh you know, it's uh, you know, I, I honestly can't answer it. I, I'll tell you, at the college level, we get a lot of free schedules. We don't get a lot of that are still due to right. rain, but they'll find a way to, you know, shift the games up by a few hours or something mm. like that. Okay. Make sure. I mean, just the weekend, we we kind of reshuffled a double header and ended up playing at uh, in the morning on. Saturday to beat some rainos coming in the afternoon. So, 
I, I would say probably no for even I you know, in the two seasons that I've been with the Air Hogs, I, we've only had I think one game canceled because wow. of rain. Wow. Uh, and that in that was in Laredo right through the end of my first regular season and they did everything they could. They were on the field for hours and hours and hours. Well here's a good story here's a good rain story for you. We're in uh we're in Laredo uh for our last road trip and we were going back with the Ear Hogs back when we used to uh split our home games between um Amarillo and Grand Prairie and so we were driving from Laredo to Amarillo, it's about a ten hour drive. And we waited around pretty much all night um, at uh, at uh, Laredo. We waited until like 10.30 p.m. They finally called the game. And so we got on the bus, and it was right at the end of the season, and we were going to our last series, and we drove about 10 hours up to Amarillo. And our second baseman at the time, he had a dog. He had a pit bull that he had registered as an emotional support animal. And he he brought it on the bus for our last road trip, which was like 20 days. It was like the longest road trip wow. in the world. And so, anyway, we were, we used to have to wait outside the locker rooms after the game and, you know, wait for the dog to, you know, do its business before we could get on the bus and stuff like that. But, we, yeah, great dog, great dog, and a great guy. I love the dog to death. Uh, you know, there were a couple nights where I woke up this thing trying to take my bed and stuff, you know, and uh, we uh, were getting out of the bus in Amarillo, and it had poured rain there the night before. And they took us straight to the stadium so the guys could drop off all their stuff, and we got off the bus, and there was just, like, standing water on the field. The field looked like it had just been, you know, just been wrecked. And uh, we're all like, ah, we're going to get delayed tonight and do a doubleheader tomorrow. There's no way we can find this field. And we're all sitting there looking at the field. And we look back, and the dog is <laughs> dancing off the bus. And it just, you know, walks through everybody, you know, and goes right to third base and squats down and does it. <laughs> <laughs> and we all just laughed, man. I mean, it was funny as heck. Uh, but uh, that was kind of a – we did not cancel that. did end up playing it. Oh, wow. I, as far as I know, as I cleaned up third base, we did. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. So last question. That's not a lot of rainouts, by the way. That's So, yeah. yeah, we cancel – I'll tell you what, though. We cancel a lot of our games or postpone rather – Sometimes for the sake of attendance, you know, if it's raining all day, we'd rather just we'd rather just not open gates because we know no one will show up and we if we can reschedule it. Sometimes that works out better for us. But um, regardless, moving on to the hot dogs, which is the question we ask every guest at the end of every episode. Most hot dogs eaten in one sitting. Uh, we cleared up some ground rules on last week's podcast with Alex Cohen from the Iowa Cubs, who wanted some clarification from us, what is one sitting? And we actually gave him some leeway. We said, him being a broadcaster as well, you know, if he ate some hot dogs in the second inning and then got hungry toward the end of the game and finished some up before he left the ballpark, we counted that as one sitting. And so he's the highest answer we've had. It was eight. So uh, what do you think, Doug? I'm going to go... I'm going to stick true to the broadcaster um, and, and think that maybe there's some nights those games get long and you're you're eating some dollar dogs. I'm going to go with seven. Okay, I'm going to – I know that Joey is obviously younger guy. He's the funniest guy we've had on the podcast, probably the most energetic or, or he's up there. So I'm going to go far out on a limb. I'm going to say that he's going to be the new champ. I'm saying nine. Please don't disappoint me. 
much faith you have in me, my friend. Too much faith. <laughs> I, never, I, don't think, I don't think I've ever used sports one and a half, honestly. <laughs> I'm a big I'm a big pretzel and mustard guy. I'll get a pretzel slather on mustard. I'll eat like two of those. Um but I'm kind of a I'm kind of a you know, I eat ballpark food but I, I like to think at least not in copious amounts. I kinda like I'll bring some from home, you know sure. I have some sitting around at the at the stadium that I can kind of snack on. Uh, but I'm I'm a big coffee drinker. If you ask me how many cups of coffee I've had during a broadcast, I'd probably be too embarrassed to admit how many it's been. Uh, <laughs> huge. I'm a huge coffee fan. Uh, but yeah, I'd say I'll have to say just one and a half. I, I'll get a dog. I will, you know, go somewhere and get a dog. But my, you know, my kind of my kind of preferred is either pretzel or an old cheeseburger or something like that. Uh, sure. We were in Gary. We were in Gary, Indiana. Last, gosh, what was I guess last May, late May, and they had a crawfish boil that they kept talking about. Mm. And so I just kept telling them, like, the people that see it, that crawfish boil comes on, you know, you'll see the real Joe Zanaboni. So I went down there, <laughs> and sweep up the way into the, into the reception area, uh, and ended up with just like a huge plate of crawfish. Oh, greatest game ever. The game. I loved it. I had about two pounds of crawfish. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's absolutely delicious. I absolutely love it. Well, if we ever switch our, our hot dog competition over to the seafood industry, yep. then uh, you'll be at the top of the chart. So there, there's something good that came out of that. <laughs> or the cups of coffee. Or the cups of coffee. Maybe we'll get into cups of coffee drinking competitions here shortly. But for now, it's hot dogs, and I think you're you're close to the bottom, which is okay. <laughs> Well, it's not the first time, man, that I've been I've been low on a on an eating class. I'll tell you that much. For the, sure. most of my life, I've been yeah, kind of a I'm kind of a small field kind of guy. Well, you know what? Maybe for the sake of this podcast, even if we put this in your brain subconsciously, maybe you'll be at a ballpark this summer, Dollar Dog Night. Back of your head, you might think, ah, how many can I eat? You know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, man. Hey, that that's a great. Um, you gave us some great stories. We're we're pumped for this podcast to air on Monday. Uh, before we let you go, um, the flo- we always give the the floor to the guests. So uh, the floor is yours. Whatever you want to say to to our listeners, fire away, man. Hey, appreciate you guys having me on. It's a lot of fun. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Joey underscore Zana. Instagram at Joey underscore Zana for some good highlights. Uh, you know, I'm out here trying to do uh, something unique, trying to be, you know, uh, an individual, making stuff happen. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't really want to pump myself up or anything like that. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to do, you know, do my thing out here and have a lot of fun. So, I mean, I, like I said, we're having a college season and then, uh, you know, tune in on airhawksbaseball.com and uh, follow us at TXAirhawks on Twitter. Our, First game's May 18th, uh, 7.05. Start time against Fargo-Moorhead uh, in Grand Prairie. So if you're in the greater Dallas area, please do come out, uh, support the team. It's going to be a good summer. And, uh, yes, keep listening. I've had a, had a lot of fun here today, so appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, anytime, man. Awesome. And uh, <clears throat> keep sharing your videos, and uh, we'll keep liking them, and we'll make sure to keep our listeners uh, up to date with what you're doing and, and sharing your videos on our blog. And, uh, but, hey, like I said, man, you caught our attention because we love what you're doing, and me and Doug have been, been doing this uh, baseball industry thing for a little while now, and we love to meet other folks who are passionate but do things kind of their own way, forge their own path. So we appreciate you, my friend. 
Cool, man. Appreciate you, and uh, yeah, have a great one. All right, Doug, that was Joey Zanaboni, uh, play-by-play guy, Texas Airhogs, University of West Florida. What would you think? What a guy. <laughs> what a guy. He... I've never spoken to somebody who had that much, um, just that comedic timing without even really trying. Just, just great stories, great insight, and I love that he's just—he's a unique guy. Like, he is, yeah. He, he is—he is one of a kind right now. And, and, oh my gosh, he, he definitely is. He, he is sports, he is really. The one. He yeah. is the one right yeah, now. I'm with you. And I, I really appreciate just listening to him talk. I thought he was hilarious, so we'll we'll put his links on the page here. And I, I think the thing for me is that. We talked about it in the first segment of the show. Yep. Baseball needs to do something differently, and I'm okay with attacking it at all angles, even if that means at the play-by-play role in the, in the radio booth, right? Exactly. Hey, every <laughs> every role, every avenue counts. The numbers game was kind of confusing, though. It was. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was. He didn't give us a ton. No. And then, uh, so his longest game, he said three weeks. So yeah. I'm sure there had to be a game time on that, but that's fine. So we'll take right. the no one wins that. So I think me and you were tied going into this right. episode. Right. Two to two. Because uh, we didn't do it on the first one. This is six. So uh, the second question was the um, the rainouts was no, the second sorry. question. Yeah, I don't know why I said hot dogs. And they don't rain out a lot, which no. was kind of surprising. But I guess they have a turf field. But still, he plays on the road. Yeah, and I, I guess I guess rainouts are more so not rainouts. They're more so reschedules. Well, yeah. Which well, we, the college thing they play the same day. They try and get in. So whatever. Right. So it came down to the final question, which you won. I won because I was eating one and a half. Off. I yeah. think it's the furthest off win we've ever had. I was yeah, because five and a half. Off. I mean, we, we we talked to him for half an hour beforehand, so I had envisioned this guy like doing something crazy and eating a bunch of hot dogs one yeah. night. Yeah, no, he, um, he, he totally threw us for a loop on that. One and a half, too, <clears throat> very specific. Yeah, so we'll get the hot dog meter up and running again and put him at the bottom. Yeah, sorry, Joe. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> sorry, Joe. I, don't think, I don't think he cares so much about being at the bottom, but um, I mean, he, hey, it's, a t- it's another unique title for him. Yeah. He'll probably, he'll probably be the all-time low. That's true. On the hot dog meter, so he has that to his It's a tough ranking. business, eating hot dogs. Yeah, it is. So... But uh, we are going to start a hot dog blog. It's going to be the official Baseball Desk Instagram. That's going to launch pretty soon. Yep. Looking and, forward uh, to it. And we won't give away too much, but I think you get the gist. You get the gist. But, uh, hot so, dog blog's pretty yeah, <laughs> It's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> so that's pretty much going to do it for us on episode six of Baseball Desk. Before we go, Doug, anything to add? Um, follow Joey on Twitter. Yeah, follow him on Twitter. We'll throw his link up yeah. in the... Uh, on the blog page, on the podcast page, yeah. on the website. And uh, other than that, you can follow us on Twitter. Yep. Uh, at Einhorn Tweets, Facebook Baseball Desk. We're both on LinkedIn, Alex Einhorn, Doug Condren. You can follow Doug on Twitter. Doug Moore underscore 23. Doug Moore underscore 23. And uh, we'll, uh, we, we tweet some stuff. Yeah. I'm more of an Instagram guy myself. Yeah, you are an Instagram guy. Yeah, because baseball is such a visual sport. True. That like people they they gravitate toward the the, ima- the pretty images on Instagram. It's true. Yeah, you're speaking in terms. So, of but more importantly, subscribe to our newsletter. Yeah. Just go to the baseballdesk.com site. We don't spam, okay? No. Wednesday morning, it's good stuff. Yeah. I think you'll enjoy it. If you're listening to this and you want to come on the show, we don't really turn anyone down. No. <laughs> so we may have a waiting list. We don't. But uh, <laughs> we don't right now. We did for a while. We had like a three-person deep thing. Sure. Um, if you want to get on the podcast, hit us up. Um, yeah. Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Uh, there's a contact page on the site on Baseball Desk. We'll get you on the show. We'll have some fun. We'll chop it up. Talk some hot dogs. And uh, it's going to be a great time. Yeah, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah. So that'll do it for us. Baseballdesk.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. This has been a production of Baseball Desk. 
Baseballsimplified.com, the business of baseball simplified, how to get in and how to get to the top. We'll catch you next Monday, every Monday for the podcast. In the meantime, go to the website, baseballdesk.com, read the blogs, pretty cool stuff. Hit us up on social media, Facebook, Baseball Desk, LinkedIn, Alex Einhorn, and Twitter at Einhorn Tweets. We'll see you next time. Somebody give me one more because I just ran out. I don't go to the clubs and I don't stand out. Ball to the wall in the basement, partying. Doesn't matter what ball.